Hey guys, it's Simon. This is Wrestling Unlimited. As it's Wednesday, and tonight was AEW Dynamite. As far as Dynamite does go, I kind of felt like it was an up and down show, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, at 6.37 Pacific, they start introducing the, quote, main event. Ricky Starks versus um, Jay White. And I'm like, oh, this is the main event? Oh, people are going to stay for this? Not thinking there's something going to be after it. Because I, I don't know. I thought they were going to give us a match like 20 minutes or something. But then I realized, ooh, we haven't seen the Elite or Don Callis or any of that. So that might save the show. But if some people like me thought, oh, this is the main event. This is it. They might tune out and miss that whole BCC the Elite segment. Because I know I would have. I would have been like, oh, that's the main event? Because eh. if I'm going to be completely honest... I forgot that that match was even happening tonight. So, other than that, there was some good stuff on the show. There were some interesting things announced and set up. We got, what, three, two, three new matches for the pay-per-view? Let me double-check that. Well, now we got the women's title match, the international championship. The So, the Casino Battle Royal is not the Casino Battle Royal. It's the Blackjack Battle Royal now, and the international championship will be on the line. But with that, we've got... One, two, three new matches. The Blackjack Battle Royal for the international title. The women's title match. Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. And the TNT title match. Wardlow and Christian in a uh, ladder match. Which we'll talk about all of that as we get started with the show. But, but I thought, Luke, what did you think of tonight's AEW Dynamite? Overall, like you said, I thought it was okay. Oh, they did it. Decent job of building stuff up for the pay-per-view. Yes. I kind of feel like they had to because next week was the go-home. So, like, tonight was just, like, kind of had to, like, build stuff up and announce some stuff for mm-hmm. the pay-per-view. But, yeah, like, there was some stuff I was like, eh, doesn't, doesn't really make sense and I don't really like it. And there was some stuff I was like, okay, pretty solid. Yeah, and then as soon as we come out of kind of, it's kind of up and down. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But really? soon, like we, like you said, next week's the go home. Then we got the pay per view, and soon as we come out of that pay per view, they got to start hard on the build for um Forbidden Door. Because when is Forbidden Door again? Forbidden Door is Forbidden Door twenty twenty three is June twenty fifth. So they've got one month. They've got. They essentially would have one, two, three, four dynamites to build up that entire show. And you know they like to stretch stuff out. They don't have time to stretch stuff out this time. What are matches they would have on Forbidden Door this year? So I'm trying to think. You can't really have Jay White on that show. That's the hard thing. Yeah, I don't know what they do with Jay White, if anything. But... What if? Well, I mean, one match that we should be getting, which they wanted to do last year, Zack Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson was out injured. And then maybe, maybe, we'll talk about this here in a moment, in a little bit, whatever. If they do get CM Punk to return, maybe they can do the match we were supposed to get last year as well, CM Punk and Tanahashi. So maybe those two matches, as of, we couldn't do them last year, we want to do them last year, now we'll get them this year. Wasn't last year, like, Tony Khan originally kind of wanted CM Punk and FTR against Will Ospreay and Aussie Open? 
Not that I remember, because I know they built up. They did a face-to-face with Tanahashi and, and Punk before they ended up doing Tanahashi sure, and... Like, and... Uh, Tony Khan said something like a media call that he wanted that match. Maybe. Or maybe he wanted it for the trios tournament. I don't know. But I just know that for Forbidden Door... for the trios tournament. Yeah, because I know for Forbidden Door, they basically set up Tanahashi and Punk, and then Punk got hurt. So we'll get into all that. Before we talk Dynamite, we are going to talk about the collision announcement and the CM Punk drama. But before we do that, we got housekeeping for you guys. Remember, you can watch the show a number of different ways, whether that's live or later. You can watch live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. You can watch live or later on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, or listen on podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime or access to anybody's Amazon Prime account, whether that's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie, your uncle, anybody's, you link your Amazon Prime and your Twitch account together. You go like that, bada bing, bada boom, your Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and they always give you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also, remember, you can head over to YouTube, hit the Join button, and become a channel member. Also, remember to head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying the new games, like, uh, let's see what new games they got right now. Dead Island 2, Age of Wonders 4, and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Whether you're claiming the free games, which right now it's not a free game. It's free bundle packs for The Sims 4. But a new free game will be announced in the morning tomorrow. Or, trying to get into Fall Guys? You're trying to get the Hello Kitty skins for Fall Guys? Use code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout on the Epic Games and the Epic Games Store to support us at no extra cost. It only takes a couple of seconds to type all that in. So, before we talk about AEW Dynamite, we got to talk about what happened with AEW before Dynamite even went on the air, and oh boy. So, this morning at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, Warner Brothers Discovery from the theater inside Madison Square Garden had their upfronts. If you don't know what upfronts are, basically it is, hey, we're Warner Brothers Discovery. Here are all our television networks, and here's what's coming, what's coming new, and what's staying and getting renewed for a new season. So they're talking about a number of different things, and eventually they do announce AEW Collision starting on TNT on Saturday nights, June 17th. They put out a poster and whatnot, and there's a bunch of wrestlers on there like Miro and Thunder Rosa and Andrade El Idolo. We got the international champion, Orange Cassidy. We got the world champion, or the heavyweight champion, the world champion, MJF. But, no CM Punk. It was rumored that CM Punk was going to be part of this show, but not in the advertising that was put out this morning. So... Comicbook.com's Connor Casey 
gets a little wild hair up his butt, and he reaches out to um, Warner Brothers Discovery and asks, hey, is CM Punk going to be on this show? What's the deal with CM Punk? No CM Punk. And they go and give him a statement stating CM Punk is not affiliated with TNT's AEW Collision, which that right there just throws everything up into a tizzy. That right there just is like, what the what? How, what, huh? That makes no sense. When all the rumors were that he was going to be. So then we get a report from Mike Johnson over at PW Insider. I'm going to read part of this report, not the whole thing. It all doesn't need to be read, but it does state. For those who have asked what happened to CM Punk uh, being not announced for AEW Collision today, the rumors making the rounds is that Punk and AEW are again at odds currently now over the status of the return of Ace Steel. The belief among those we've spoken with is that Steel was expected to return in conjunction with Punk next month, working behind the scenes. However, the story making the way around backstage today at Dynamite is that the decision was made that Steel would not be working backstage at the actual collision tapings. And as you might imagine, that left Punk and AEW on opposite sides of the discussion, which in turn led to Punk being removed from all promotional material released from the AEW Collision series today. Now, according to Brian Alvarez, and trust me, I'm not going to get into Brian Alvarez stuff because I don't know the backstory there, but Brian Alvarez did report on Wrestling Observer Live that he was told by multiple sources the graphics originally had CM Punk on it, and he believes MJF replaced Punk on the poster. So that's where we sit right now. AEW and CM Punk are at odds. Punk thought that Ace Steel was going to return when he returns. Now Ace Steel is not slotted to return, so he is now mad about that. And that's where we sit. Also, we'll talk about it when we get to that part of Dynamite, but Tony Khan did state that next week they will announce where the actual debut of the Collision Show will be taking place. Now, the rumor had been in the reports that they were going to take place from the United Center in Chicago, the United Center, the same place where they did the debut of Rampage with CM Punk. The reason they were going to do the United Center was, well, because CM Punk was supposed to be on that show. I think they were supposed to call this like the second coming AEW collision or something like that for the first episode. But my theory, no one's told me this. My theory, possibly this could be that if they don't have Punk, they're not going to book the bigger building in Chicago. They're not going to book the United Center. Hence why Tony didn't make that announcement tonight and stated that that announcement will come next week. We got the announcement of six other dates for Collision, which one is a Thursday, which is interesting. But, yeah, that's everything going on right now with the announcement for Collision and the CM Punk drama. We do not know how much they're getting paid for the Collision show, but the rumor that came out today was that overall, with their Dynamite and Rampage deal and the new inclusion of Collision, they could be making over the next five years $1.2 billion from Warner Brothers Discovery. But Luke, what were your thoughts when they announced Collision? And did you hear about the punk drama throughout the day as well? Yeah, I heard some of the punk drama. I think punk posted something that if it, about this saying, like, if it, if it wasn't coming from this person, then don't, like, believe it. Oh, he said not to believe any of it. He's like, he basically said... Brian Alvarez doesn't like when misinformation is said about him, so Brian Alvarez shouldn't be making misinformation about me. And then he told him to shut the fuck up. Apparently there's drama between those two from the past that I have no clue about. And as far as the announcement goes, I mean, 
I didn't really think much of it. I was just kind of weirded out at first. Like, why didn't they announce like certain date then? Yeah. Well, we got the date, not the location. Because the date's June 17th. So that's where we stand with the collision stuff. We'll talk about all those dates that have been announced going forward once we get to that point of the show. But yeah, very interesting stuff. And hopefully they can work something out with CM Punk. Because if they're going to do a Saturday night show, they're going to need CM Punk on that show. Because, I mean, the first... Go for it. And, like, another thing is, I know I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying that, like, CM Punk should be in the main event of that all-in show. People are saying, we need... They're saying, we need to get CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite, or CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. That'd be cool, if they want to work together. We don't even know if that's the case. Right. So... Well, and, 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 and I feel like it would disappoint a lot of people, though, if that didn't happen. But does it really matter if they've already oversold how many tickets they were expecting? Like, does that... The show's a success, regardless, with no matches announced. I don't think Tony's going to put a crap match in the main event. Like, he's going to put the best match he can in that main event. But we and, and we have no clue what that's going to be. Because they still have other shows they got to build up before that. They've got Dynam- or Double or Nothing. they got to finish building up for next weekend. Not this weekend, but next then they've got Forbidden Door one month later after that. Then they could start building up. Because they have a month and a half to two months, maybe? month and a half-ish after Forbidden Door to build up the All-In show. But at the same time, they're building up All-In. They got to be building up All-Out the exact same time because that's the following week. They can't just be like, here's everything for All-In. We're gonna all in. And then on that last, like that, that Dynamite between all in and all out, they can't just go, oh, by the way, we got a pay-per-view this week, and here's everything we haven't told you about, because that's going to hurt ticket sales for all out. So that's another can of worms that no one knows what's going on with. They're still doing all out. I thought they were just going to do all in no. instead of all out. The word that's been reported, the reports have been all in on August. Hold on. Let me pull up the date. Or when's the all-in date? Uh, AEW all-in. All-in on the 27th. And then that following weekend, let's give me a calendar. All-in would be on July 27th. Wait. Hold on. August 27th. My bad. August 27th. And then the third, the second or the third, I would assume the third would be all out the next following week on September 3rd. Unless something changes, that's what everybody in the company is under the impression of, and that's what, you know, PW Insider, Fightful, Wrestling Observer, PW Torch, they've all been reporting that we're getting both shows, which is weird. It's very chaotic to me. It, it does. Like, the one thing that I think would be cool, though, is we get a big... so. Say MJF is still the world champion. Defends his title at All In. I also think there should be this big time number one contenders match for the world title. And then you're like the winner of so and so versus so and so, like just throwing out names. I don't know. Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho at All In, the winner, then moves on the following week at All Out to challenge the AW world champion. That would be something cool they can do. They have a super important match on that all-in show. 
They kind of have to. Have to. Yeah, because that's, that's also an easy way to have a world title match at All In and not have to build up technically, I guess you could say, two number one contenders against the champion at the same time. You could say, hey, here's your, your challenger for this show, All In, and then at All In, we'll figure out your next challenger. So, Or they just do like the Casino Battle Royal for the number one contender spot, but I would prefer... Like they do an actual like singles match with two big names. So, but that's just my opinion. I know last year they did like the casino ladder match. Was that for the number one? Con- yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because and they had MJF, MJF. That Devil's Mask. Yep, yep, yep. So that's where we got the firm, which kind of fizzled out and never really went much more else anywhere with MJF. That died quick with MJF. But regardless, oh, yeah. as far as Dynamite does go, AEW Dynamite came on the air with Excalibur, welcoming us alongside Tony Schiavone and Taz, calling it the biggest day, or one of the biggest days in AEW history, saying today was a history-making day in the world of professional wrestling. And I'm like, was it really? Would you call it a history-making day? For pro wrestling? I would. I mean, it's big no. that, I will say, I will say, it's a big deal that they got a second show on TNT that's considered, we don't know till we see this show, a major show. Because even like TNA, who was the closest to a second before AEW, only ever had one show on cable. So, for the company, it's history making, yes. It's historic. It's big. But I, for pro wrestling, I don't know if I would call it a historic day in pro wrestling. That's just my opinion, and you said the same thing. So, yeah. Big day for sure, getting that other show announced. But again, they said that the announcement of Rampage was a big historic thing because they were getting a second weekly show, and look what happened with Rampage. Rampage is shit to bed tenfold. Now, I don't think that Collision's going to be as bad as Rampage, but I just hope it's I, I hope it's equal to Dynamite. And I'm going to say right now, I know there's going to be a lot of Saturdays I'm not going to be able to watch it live because I do a lot of things on Saturday nights. I have other jobs I do. I do photo shoots, and so, you know, I'm a photographer and a videographer. Sometimes I get photo shoots on Saturday nights, so I'm not going to be able to watch live. Because, you know, people work throughout the week. And I don't then, think. Go for it. I don't think there's going to be any Saturdays I'm watching it. Right. Just saying. Because like with my photography stuff, a lot of the jobs I get are weekend jobs because people work throughout the week and then they're like, oh, I'm available Saturday, Sunday. Let's get together and, and do a shoot. So that's why I'm busy most Saturday. I'll prioritize like a pay-per-view, but I don't know if I'm going to prioritize collision. Maybe the first couple for sure. But we have to see how this was because I, I tried to prioritize Rampage and that show just shit the bed. But anyways, anyways. Rampage is basically just Dynamite Part 2. It's wherever they don't throw in Dynamite, they'll just throw it all on Rampage. Oh, well, now the new thing is it's just Sunday Night Heat with matches that most of the time don't even matter. Yeah. That's the new thing. Especially now that there's no Dark and Dark Elevation. It's basically where they would have used Dark and Dark Elevation to look at indie wrestlers they were interested in. That's going to move to ROH or Rampage. So there may 
going forward be more rampage matches with people we've never heard of like we would see on dark and dark elevation <clears throat> and it probably makes sense that they just do it in ring of honor though yeah and also daniel mullinax was getting to my next point they're gonna go against wwe pay-per-views ple's now the first one they're they're not gonna have to worry about any till SummerSlam. because if you think about it they start on june 17th july 1st is money in the bank but that's live from London, which here in America is actually going to be an afternoon show, not going to be primetime 8 o'clock. They don't have to worry about money in the bank. Then if we go forward, and I'm thinking what WWE has, SummerSlam is... WWE SummerSlam 2023 is August 5th. So that's going to be the first one they're going to have to deal with. And then I think there's an NXT pay-per-view on a Saturday in August as well. Let me double check that. Because that was announced or reported by PW Insider today. Let me see. Um, where Did they is say it? the name of that NXT pay-per-view? No, the name is not known. But... um. The date is, it is, I'm trying to find it on PW Insider because they're the ones that reported it. Um, August 12th, which is a Saturday. So literally, August 5th, they're going to have to go up against um, SummerSlam. And then August 12th, the following week, if this show does take place as reported, they're going to have to go up against um, an NXT uh, premium live event. Because it sounds like they're wanting to do one in, you know, one in the spring. Or how would I? So they've done two already. If I'm looking at at it right, it looks like NXT would maybe do six pay-per-views a month or a year. Six PLEs a year. Because we had February, April. End of May, technically June, August, and then maybe October for the other one. So five or six throughout the year. So if they keep up with this flow, which I think is great for that brand. No, I feel like if I was an AEW talent just booked for this show, I wouldn't be very happy, though. So according to Sean Ross Sapp on his podcast today, he has stated that... um. Some AEW talents are worried about being booked for collision because it's going to eat into their indie bookings. As far as now, if they got to work Saturdays for AEW, they can't go work Saturdays for like a Defy or a GCW or an AAW. Well, that's going to hurt some people that like to go and like, out. And I was kind of thinking, you know, there's a lot of like AEW wrestlers. They like to do like signings at like conventions True. and stuff. They can't really do that anymore. So it also kind of like hurt those conventions as well if you're not getting like any AEW people there. So most of those conventions that I can think of are like multi-day. So maybe they just can't get them for the Saturday, but maybe they can get them for the Sunday. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting because a lot of people's schedules are going to change in AEW if they're made to work the Saturday show. But, and I, I guess we could just talk about it now. I'll pull this graphic up on the screen really fast. They're not going to all be on Saturday. So Fightful originally reported that some of the collisions 
will not be actually live. And that some of the episodes of Collision will actually air, uh, be taped on a Thursday. So if I pull this up on the screen here, these are the these are six of the first seven dates for Collision. We've got, well, actually, these are all six. And one has not been announced for the uh, location. So the first episode on the 17th, supposed to be in Chicago. They haven't said it yet. Then on Saturday, June 24th, I believe that is the night. Was that before or after Forbidden Door? When did we say Forbidden Door was again? Hold on. Forbidden. It's like a month away. Forbidden Door 2023 is. Like June 17th, I believe. June 25th. No. So it's a Saturday, a 25th. Sunday. So this episode of Collision will take place the night before in Toronto. Then the following week, a Thursday taping, which means it's not live. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Then they go to another live show in Regina, Saskatchewan. Then we go to another live show July 15th from Calgary, Alberta. And then they come to what may or may not be, which probably going to end up being the second U.S. show for Collision, because if the first one's um, if the first one's Chicago, then they're going to go to Newark, New Jersey, on July 22nd. But out of these six, there is one day that's not one week's not going to be live, and it's this one right here, Thursday, June 29th. That show will not be live. So that week, all them people that are working Saturdays for AEW can go. Oh, hey, I'm open. GCW, what are you doing? AEW. I feel like it would be better for the wrestlers if they just tape them on Thursdays so on those Saturdays they can just do whatever they want. In theory, yes. But I know Warner Brothers Discovery wanted more live content or as much as they can get. But I don't know why they're not all live on Saturdays. What's that Saturday that they're not going to be live? What's the date there? Um, let me look at that again. Because that's going to be interesting to see why. And maybe we do and we don't ever find out why that show is not going to be live that week. But um, we look here. That date was again the week of the 29th. So what is that? July, June 29th. That would be July 1st. So the, the July 1st week is going to be a pre-tape show. It's also the same day as Money in the Bank. But regardless, we'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll let us know what's going on. Just like with Rampage. Just so, open. Let's see. Just like with Rampage. Sometimes they're live. Most of the time they're not. And this, I think, is going to be flipped the opposite. Most of the time they're live, and sometimes they're not. I'm just hoping this doesn't really affect a lot of, like, wrestlers. Right. As far as, like, the game like more opportunities outside of aw now there is the possibility that like say there's a big gcw show coming up on a saturday and i don't know or say there's a big defy show we'll, we'll use that as an example say there's a big show for defy coming up on a saturday and they really want swerve strickland and swerve is we don't know but i'm just spitballing maybe swerve is set for a for collisions roster because they might be doing that brand split and so maybe Swerve can go to Tony and be like, hey, this week, I need to be at the Defy show. I can't work Collision. And then Tony can be like, all right, go for it. So they can po possibly, there's the possibility. And I think Tony Khan 
would be up for it working around some of those schedules if possible. Now, if it's a big episode where he's like, oh, no, we need you for this angle or this match, then he gives them a no. But if it's possible, which most weeks it probably could be, he can be like, no, take the Saturday. We'll do you next week or something. So we'll see how it goes. I feel like there's going to be a lot of instances where they could work with the talent on the schedule. But as far as tonight's show does go, we're already 30 minutes into this podcast and haven't even talked about tonight's show. Show opened up with the TNT champion, Wardlow. Wardlow came out and immediately called out Christian Cage based off of his comments from last week, daring Cage to spit in his face. So uh, after a face-off, Cage said Wardlow's time as TNT champion is just about over and was about to spit in his face when the brawl began. The numbers were too much for the champion, though, as Cage hit a low blow while Luchasaurus pulled out a ladder from under the ring and chokeslammed Wardlow through it. Cage then followed up, followed it up with a kill switch on the bent ladder as well. Not going to nitpick, but Wardlow didn't take that kill switch all that well. You could tell by a country mile his head didn't hit that ladder. But regardless, he did try to make this look brutal with a bent ladder. And Cage stood tall holding the TNT Championship. We did learn later on in the show that at Double or Nothing, Christian will challenge Wardlow for the TNT Championship in a ladder match. Now, hopefully they have a better ladder than they used tonight. Because this ladder tonight looked like aluminum. This ladder tonight looked very frail and very, very unsturdy. I wouldn't want to be climbing that ladder. What do you think of the angle and the whole setup for the title match? That was all right. Hopefully this ladder match is better than like a lot of the other other ladder matches that they've done in the past. I mean, they've had some pretty good ladder matches. Like Cody and Sammy was great. Like the last one, it was like that, like TNT, like one contenders ladder match or something, whatever they call it. Oh, you you mean the face of the revolution that was the was supposed to be at Revolution and then was called Revolution but not on Revolution? Yeah, like. <laughs> one where like looked like Hobbs was about to like fall off the ladder and bust yeah. his neck. Yeah, Hobbs needed like seven refs to hold that ladder for him. Anyways, my big question though, a how um how much does Luchasaurus get involved here, and b does Wardlow bring backup of any kind that's not just Arn Anderson? I can see Wardlow bringing in backup. Maybe it's someone currently on the AEW roster or someone they signed to the company because i mean jungle boy would make sense as his backup but that's not going to happen jungle boy's got a match in the pillars four-way which we'll talk about jungle boy looking like crap tonight as far as not being made to look like a legit challenger i think a lot of these guys kind of looked like crap tonight if I'm i mean completely honest how are you gonna have a guy be a challenger for the world title he barely wins the match by roll-up has to pull the tights as a baby face and then gets his butt beaten needs to be saved we'll get to it when we get to it but i thought they did horrible with jungle boy tonight or actually actually they i didn't hear him call them i didn't hear them call him jungle boy much at all it was jack perry jack perry jack they're really moving away from the jungle boy name but we'll get to that regardless we'll get to that when we get to that this match should be good i'm just fearful that there's going to be too much luchasaurus and because it's a ladder match really justifiably the ref can't just go oh you're getting involved i'm throwing you out there's no dq also i do want to say thank you to esports gaming 
316 on Twitch. They subscribed with a tier one subscription for 13 months. They said, we got some CM Punk drama even before AEW Collision starts. Yeah, we do. Remember, if you want to support the channel on Twitch, you can also do so by subscribing with a tiered subscription or with Amazon Prime. And also remember, you can also use that to get your comment, question, or concern read. And you can also donate a super chat on YouTube to get your comment read there as well. Plus, Caliber briefly recaps all the actions of Don Callis last week against Kenny Omega and then said that Don will be here tonight and we'll hear from him. Now, speaking of the pillars and the pillars four-way for the, the um, world title, could they have done a worse job making the pillars just have random matches that don't matter for build? Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here having Darby team with Orange Cassidy against Lee Moriarty and Big Bill? What does that have anything to do with building up towards the title match? Sammy Guevara versus Exodus Prime? Jungle Boy versus Roosh? Like, what does any of that do for the build towards the pay-per-view match, the world title match? Nothing. It's just, oh, hey, uh, we're going to take all these guys and put them in random matches that don't matter. Really makes me... The Sammy thing. Yeah, that, that was... Yeah. But it's it just was putting... Awful. Yes. Putting these guys in random matches makes me care less about the world title match and the world title contenders. Especially then you got MJF in the back who all he did was slap the microphone out of Renee's hand. Like, what are we doing here? We're building up this match as, oh yeah, these are just four random guys that are going to fight. We're telling you they're important people in this company, but then we don't put them in important matches. We just put them in random ass matches that don't matter. Come on. I do better. I'm already not interested in this match, if I'm being completely honest with you. No. If I, if, honestly, if this match is the main event, which it should be because it's the world title match, that to me doesn't feel like a strong main event. Like, Anarchy in the Arena should be the real last main. I feel like Anarchy in the Arena should go on last of this pay-per-view. It's the best built-up match on this show, on this pay-per-view. And we'll get to that later because that was a great build in the main event angle, like the main event segment, the whole hangman and, and Moxley's face when hangman said anarchy in the arena was phenomenal. But this tag match then meant nothing. Um, basically, is this like the first week in a while that Orange Cassidy has not had a match with the title on the line? Because he's usually defending the belt. Like, I can't remember the last time he had a non-title match on Dynamite. Yeah, on Dynamite. Yeah. But I know, there's been, so. I know there's been weeks where he just wasn't wrestling. But if he is, he's usually got the title on the line. So this is kind of weird. It just, it, it felt off to me. That's why I said there was things that were up and down and up and down. This is one of the downs for me because this felt off, not having Orange Cassidy. And, and I get it. You guys might call me a hypocrite here. Because I always say, oh, Orange Cassidy was just another random challenger. Yes, he does have too many random challengers that are never really built up. But now we've gotten to the point where I like seeing Orange Cassidy defend the belt. And that's just become the norm. And now when he doesn't and has other matches, it feels weird. 
we've we've gotten like so used to him like defending right. the belt so many times. Now it just feels really odd. Now he's like, oh, just having a regular match. And they didn't give us any reason. And maybe I missed something on Rampage or something or whatnot. But did they even tell us why this match was taking place? Why we were getting Orange Cassidy and Darby teaming together? Did they even tell us? I didn't hear I it. So no, th- this was just a random match. Yeah. So there was a fast back and forth with some pin attempts early on as Cassidy and Lee Moriarty went back and forth for tagging in Big Bill and Darby Allen. Big Bill tossed Allen around like a rag doll. Bill wanted a test of strength, so Allen slapped him in the face as he and Cassidy connected with double dives to the floor. Cassidy tried a float over in the corner, but as he landed on the apron, Big Bill connected with a big boot to take control into a commercial break. Back from the break, Cassidy seemingly need his way out of a suplex and tagged in Allen, but Moriarty had taken the ref, and the tag was called off because the ref didn't see it. Both Moriarty and Bill missed uh, corner charges as Allen made the hot tag and ran wild by throwing both his body at, uh, throwing his body at both opponents. Allen then tried to code red on Moriarty, but Bill nearly countered it into a choke slam. But Allen fought free on the ropes. Um, fending off Moriarty, Allen leapt right into the big boss big boss man slam by Big Bill. Allen then took out the legs of Bill, which allowed Cassidy to hit a satellite DDT. Moriarty jumped in and applied the uh, Border City stretch, but Cassidy escaped. Moriarty was sent up and was set up in the corner, and Allen and Cassidy hit double super a double superplex. But as they got to their feet, boom! They were clocked by Big Bill with double clothesline. There was a stun dog millionaire into a code red on Bill at one point as Moriarty was planted with a beach break and a coffin drop. To send a message to MJF. Allen applied a side headlock takeover on Lee Moriarty to pin him and pick up the victory, kind of playing off of stuff that has happened with MJF and Darby Allen in the past with, with the whole, I'll beat you with a side headlock takeover. So, I mean, they had that slight tie-in to build up to the, the title match. But if you don't remember, you don't remember, it means nothing. What do you think of the match itself? I mean... That was just okay. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Why the heck is this match even happening? Because Tony said, these four guys will work good together this week. Screw it. So in the back, we got Alex Marvez. This guy still works here. What the hell? Tried to interview the Young Bucks. Uh, They're in the parking lot. Giving a quick update on Kenny Omega, saying that he's hurt, but he'll be okay. All of a sudden, Backpool Combat Club surrounds them. No, Brian Danielson. I don't think Danielson's working the pay-per-view either. We'll talk about that later. Nick? We got against Alex Marvez. He's he's just very, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He comes off very like, I like my job, but I don't, he just, I just don't like his delivery, and, and he, he's just always felt. I mean, there's a reason they took him off a of commentary after one show, because he's not all that good. I mean, the rumor was always he only got the job because Dave Meltzer asked Tony Khan to hire him. So, just oh, saying, like Dave Meltzer is always giving so many five star matches to AEW. Nah, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go that far. But regardless. 
I just Alex Marvez, his delivery and I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. It just feels weird sometimes or most of the time to me. Anyways, Backpool Combat Club surrounds the Young Bucks. Nick was slammed on the hood of a truck while Matt's bad arm was targeted, even though we know that Matt's bad arm is not bad anymore. He's cleared to go. John Moxley said that the BCC are the only elite group around. And then they walked off and left the Bucks laying flat down on the ground. Kill. This builds into what we see at the end of the show. Any thoughts? Kind of like this version of Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, yeah. Beating up people. Oh, like, yeah. All the time. It's like out of nowhere. I like this. I really do. I love I don't give a crap, John Moxley. I'm going to do whatever I want and beat up whoever I want. That's the best version of Moxley. Speaking of, oh, like, go for it. Danielson might not work the pay-per-view. Huh? Was Danielson not supposed to work the pay-per-view then? Well, no, or? no, no, no. I don't think he'll. So we'll fast forward for a second. I don't think he's going to work the pay-per-view because then they would have to add somebody to the elite. Because if you think about it, when the Bucks came out to back up Kenny at the end of the show, Excalibur kept yelling, the Bucks are here to help Kenny, but it's still four on three. It's still four on three. And then Hangman came out. Oh, that evens up the odds. So is it just four on four at double or nothing? Or does the BCC have Brian Danielson and the Elite add somebody like Takeshita? So that there's a possibility. We only got one more week to set that up. But if they don't add a fifth to the Elite, are you going to make it a handicap and add Danielson to the BCC or keep him out of the match? Remember, this is the match that injured him last year and got him a concussion. The, 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 the anarchy in the arena. I mean, you kind of have to do something with Takeshita because now he like fully hates BCC. Right. So maybe you can add Takeshita on the elite side and have um, Danielson join the BCC and then make that five on five. But then it kind of defeats the purpose of Hangman at the end saying, we're the heart, we're the soul, we're the something, something of this company. We are the elite. Because it's defe- four on four. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying if you add Takeshita and Danielson, it'll be five on five. Four on four if you don't add those two. I might have said it wrong, but yeah. There's only three. There's only three people in it without Danielson and mm. CC. Is it? Hold on. It is. And why was Excalibur? Well, you got Moxley, you got Yuta, you got Claudio, and Danielson. That's four. Was Danielson even out there tonight? Because I don't remember seeing he was him out there during the main event. Hold on. I don't remember seeing him. Am I just like that dumb? I could be wrong. But hold on. Hold on. I, I'm, uh, I got a screenshot of the BCC at the end of the show. Let me double check this. Let me double check this. Hold on. Because now I'm confused. <clears throat> Could be wrong, though. He was. He was. Danielson was out there. Strike everything I just said. I'm a motherfucking idiot. I must not have been paying too much attention. Danielson was there. Never mind. Scratch that. It's four on four. I'm dumb. I'm a dumb dumb. Anyways. Speaking of Moxley, his wife was up next. Renee Paquette is trying to get a medical update on Wardlow from the doctors while Arn Anderson walked up, furious, slapping an ice pack away from Wardlow, asking 
why, what he's prepared to do. Wardlow said that he's willing to beat Christian at his own game and challenges Cage to a ladder match at double or nothing. Still, no word on if he's going to have backup. And I don't even know who his backup could be. On Spears, maybe? It would make sense with their history, but Spears has been helping Ricky against Bullet Club Gold. So, I don't know. I mean, it can't really be FTR, though. No, they got, they got their own thing already. Because I, yeah, uh, I, I see Baby Ice in the chat saying FTR, so no. Uh, I mean, we, the only logical person I can think of, is, it would have to be probably Sean Spears. I'm trying to think. Let me look at the AEW roster real fast. AEW. Let me know in the live chat or the comments below, and we'll check these later as well, who you think could be, if he has any, Wardlow's backup. I'm looking at the roster, the male, the men's roster. And, um, um, I'm trying to see baby face wise, because he didn't need a baby face. I mean, I, it would kind of make sense, but it, I wouldn't think it would really be that effective and people wouldn't care, but he's got Arn at his side. So maybe Brock Anderson. Um, what was the last time we've even seen Brock Anderson? He and um, Brian Pillman Jr. are now a tag team. And I think they worked like the last couple episodes of Dark and Dark Elevation or something. I know there was a social media video with them recently together. Yeah, I'm looking at the roster here and like who's who, no one makes sense. Keith Lee, I don't know. I'm just looking at baby faces now, but he's doing a thing with with tag team and with Dustin. Uh, he's not a baby face, but no, that wouldn't make sense. Uh, I say Lance Archer, but cuz cuz you also need somebody that can be physically opposing to Luchasaurus. You don't want to bring someone in like a Brock Anderson who Luchasaurus is just going to smack with his pinky and knock out. Cuz correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if it's that big-ass shoulder thing. Luchasaurus looks way bigger and way scarier than he ever has. Like, he looks just... And maybe it's that big shoulder it's his, thing. It's his new attire. I think so. But he looks scarier in a good way. I'm trying to see. Like, nobody makes sense at all to be his backup. Maybe he doesn't have backup. And he's going to go it alone. Maybe he does have Sean Spears. Sean Spears is literally the only one, like, like you said, Sean Spears. It's the only one that makes sense to me because they're history. And maybe that Sean Spears and Ricky Starks thing, maybe that was just like a one-time thing. We haven't seen it since, so yeah. And like, you can just have Sean Spears just come out with the chair and just beat the crap out of Luchasaurus. True. True. The chairman. So, you go backstage again with more Renee Paquette. With Orange Cassidy. She asked him about Kyle Fletcher attacking him last week. Cassidy said, well, hey, I've told Tony Khan, whoever wants to challenge me for this belt can challenge me for this belt. And then Renee goes, well, I have been told that 20 people have gone to Tony Khan about wanting to challenge you for the belt. Orange Cassidy then goes, I'll fight them all. How about we do this? 
You add me to them 20, that's 21. That's blackjack at double or nothing. Let's do for this belt, the blackjack battle royal. So instead of it being called the casino battle royal, it is now called the blackjack battle royal, and it will be for the international championship at double or nothing. Cool. Well, like how would that work then? What do you mean? Just like whoever draws like the blackjack will be like the last entrance. I feel like it's going to be the champion. Mm. There could be the Joker, number 21. I don't know. I feel like it should be the champion comes out last, maybe. The 20 challengers, and then the champion gets to come out last. Champion's advantage, maybe, coming out last. Just a thought. They didn't really state. They didn't tell us who or any of the rules. I wonder if there's going to be anybody new in this battle royal. I would assume, potentially... Like, I mean, I wouldn't call Kyle Fletcher new, but he's not on the roster. And I would think he's going to be in this match since he attacked Orange Cassidy last week. But, I mean, you can have guys like the Lucha Bros in this. Um, they claimed right now ain't doing anything at the pay-per-view. You can throw both of them in this battle royal. Party Boys, Isaiah Cassidy. So, yeah, you have a number of people you can throw in this battle royal and make it very interesting. I mean, I guess you can put like Juice Robinson in, in there because I highly yeah. doubt. Juice and Jay White. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you can do Juice and Jay White. You can throw Ricky in there and have a little thing with those three where they eliminate Ricky teaming up against him or something. Yeah. Move. I have no clue where that whole thing is going to be going. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get to that later, but yeah. I just don't know where that's leading. So we finally got our next match. It's Sammy Guevara versus Exodus Prime, and this is what you would call a super quick, uh, super quick squash. Basically, Guevara hit him with a jumping knee, a GTH, and picked up the victory. That was it. That was it. That was the whole thing. I guess you could say it did make him look strong going towards the pay-per-view, but it's against the nobody. And there really wasn't anything that, I mean, he talked afterward and said, I'm going to win the belt and blah, 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 but I don't know. Guevara took the mic. And talked about the old days in Texas, saying everything he went through made him what he is today. Guevara talked about a few wrong turns, taking him to the right place, which is double or nothing. Guevara listens to his heart, he said, which tells him that he's going to be the new AEW world champion. And hey, correct me if I'm wrong. Are they really trying to make Sammy a baby face going into this now? Is it supposed to be like the heel MJF against three baby faces? That's what it seems like. I guess so. You know would have made more sense for this? Huh. If it, I know NJF did, did this a lot in the past. Could have just been like, you know, if you three still want to fight me at the pay-per-view, you got to face an opponent of my choosing. Let's say, let's say they give Sammy Powerhouse Hobbs. Let's right. Say, and Jungle Boy, Lance Archer, and then Darby faces like Big Bill or Lee Moriarty. That so, would have made a lot more sense. Commentary tried to do that. For the Jungle Boy match, especially after uh, Preston Vance came out afterwards and attacked Jungle Boy, they were like, oh, this attack after the match has to have been set up by MJF. It had to have been, right? So they kind of tried to play that off in the Jungle Boy match. So after Sammy, will you have anything, any thoughts on Sammy's squash and little promo here? Because it literally just kind of hurts. 
feel like it kind of hurt Sammy a little bit because it did nothing for him as far as making him stronger to the pay-per-view. I mean, I get that because it really didn't show us what Sammy can do. It's like, oh, he took on a guy that's a nothing, that had literally no offense for him, that did nothing against him. Like, I mean, it made Sammy look strong-ish in a way that he squashed the guy, but then at the same time, it's like Sammy didn't have to do anything. It's like, to me, it almost felt like the guy was just standing there waiting for Sammy to hit his moves and boom, 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 you're done. So, yeah, I think it did and didn't help at the same time. So then we got a uh, history of the four pillars match or a video where I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying that they don't like them being called the four pillars because the word pillars is such an old term that to today's generation, they don't understand what that means. But they got this video here. Excalibur goes on about how MJF, Darby Allen, Jack Perry, and Sammy Guevara are the preset and the future of AEW. I thought this was a good video, but yeah. It did, I think it did better than all the matches we had tonight to build up the, the pay-per-view match. That's for sure. Because it, it, unlike the matches made them feel somewhat important to the company. Right. I honestly don't like how they got to use some, like, fancy term to, like, try to make it seem like, I don't know, I kind of feel well, too much into it, kind of like the four pillars. Yeah. I don't like how they got to try to be all fancy with it. I know what you're getting at. I think you have the same thought as me. Every time I hear somebody say the four pillars four way for the title at the pay-per-view, my first thought is, okay, so is there some sort of like a stip to this match? Is there some sort of special rules? Like if there's no rules, if there's no special stipulation other than it's a title match, why do we have a fancy name for it? Because that's just, to me, putting more expectations on this being some special style, some special type of match, and then it's just going to be a random regular four way. I think that's the one thing. And I don't know if that's how you're feeling with the way you just said that it just feels too fancy and stuff. That's what I always think. Every time they say the pillars four way, I go, okay, so what's the special rules if you're calling it that? Well, there isn't any. Well, then just call it a regular goddamn four way. That's what I'm saying. Probably just their way of trying to feel like different than all these other wrestling companies because all every other company just calls it like a fatal four way. Right. For them, it's like, oh, we don't want to be like them. Let's just call it a four pillars. Tony likes adding fancy names. and It's just like last week, which it made sense, though, when we saw um, um, Claudio versus Phoenix in the double Jeopardy match. Like, he always likes adding stupid names like that. But at least that one made sense because there was a reason why it was called double Jeopardy. A title shot for either man's belt was on the line. Tony Schiavone then introduces Jay Lethals, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt. As they were making their way out to the ring, Dutt came out with two guitars, each having FTR's names on them. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler then ran out, and they attacked from behind, sending Satnam off the stage through a table. They attacked Jarrett, Dutt, and Lethal. Wheeler, though, uh, Wheeler got in some chair shots on Jarrett while Harwood stripped Lethal out of his suit. As FTR, we're about to hit the Shatter Machine, or the Big Rig, whichever we're calling it this week. In 
would come the AEW debuting Karen Jarrett. Karen would jump in the ring, well, slide in the ring, get in the ring, whatever you want to say, and low blow Cash Wheeler from behind. This then led to Jeff Jarrett hitting a stroke on Dax Harwood. Satnam Singh then came down to the ring, ripping his jacket in half, and he planted both members of FTR with a double choke slam. Lethal and Jarrett then hit simultaneous guitar shots on FTR, who crumbled on the mat. Sanjay Dutt then played a, a broken guitar as Lethal and Jarrett stood tall with Karen between them holding up the AEW World Tag Team Championships. I actually really like this. And hey, long time coming. We finally got Karen Jarrett in AEW. I thought this was effective to make the challengers look strong. And honestly, it did make FTR look kind of dumb, but brave, I guess you can say. Because it's like, yeah. They looked dumb because they knew the numbers was against them, but brave in a way that, hey, they're still going to go out there and try to take on all four of these guys at the same time. Interestingly, no Mark Briscoe at all, but what did you think of the whole segment? I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was good. I think it makes the tag match more interesting and yeah. double or nothing because, you know, because if you think about it, like during the match, like FTR, they could easily just attack Anjay and Satnam Singh to like get them out of the match interfering. Correct. Attack Jer- Karen, though. Uh, Renee's backstage with Darby. References to the headlock takeover finish from earlier in the night. Allen said it was a message to MJF, and Sammy Guevara would walk up and said that he respects Darby. Guevara said that he knows Allen doesn't trust him, but says that, hey, in the end, as long as he's like, I might not win. You might win. Jack might win. As long as one of us wins and it's not MJF, then we've done something right. So now the whole thing is, as long as MJF doesn't retain the belt, everybody's happy. That's what it sounded like to me. He literally said, all that matters at double or nothing is making sure that MJF doesn't retain the title. Allen then said, may the best man win, and the two fist bumped. Very weird that Sammy would literally come out here and go, I want to win, but maybe I don't win. Maybe you win, and I'll still be happy. Like, what the fuck? This is weird. So what's going to happen during the match? Let's say, like, Darby hits his finisher on MGF. He puts, the, he covers oh. him for the pin. Like, are they are they just, like, no. not going to, like, try to stop him? Sammy's going to pull his foot right off of him, yank him right off. No. They're still going to win. They're still going to want to win. Uh, we then had Tony Storm and Ruby Soho against Britt Baker and Akaru Shida. They did, they did try to, uh, you know, do the thing on commentary where, you know, in the past, Baker and Shida have not been on the same page and have not liked each other. So Storm and Soho tried to have a fast start here on Shida, who immediately turned the tables and suplexed both ladies onto each other in the corner. Storm was sent outside as Shida connected with a missed dropkick on Soho. An enziguri on Storm led to a tag to Baker, who clocked Storm with a ripcord elbow. Soraya then tripped up Baker, which allowed Storm to hit a charging hip attack to the floor, as Soraya got in some cheap shots. They also let us know that Jamie Hayter is not cleared to compete, and that's why she wasn't out here tonight. Baker was isolated during the picture-in-picture break, 
but she did hit a charging neck breaker into a double down spot. Sheeta and Soho made tags in and slugged it out with Sheeta, with Sheeta getting the better of it with some right hands to everybody, even Soraya ringside. Sheeta followed this up with a crossbody to the floor on all members of the outcasts. There was a question mark kick that sent Storm to the floor as Soho was planted with a falcon arrow. Sheeta then hit a meteor off the top to Soho, but Storm broke up the cover. Baker then stacked Storm and Soho in a neckbreaker and DDT combo for a nice near fall. Soho was able to avoid a lockjaw into a no future, but as Storm made the tag, Baker connected with an air raid crash. Soraya then ran distraction yet again, this time allowing Storm to spray Baker in the eyes and hit the Storm Zero to steal the victory. Excalibur then talked about how Storm is gaining her fourth win in five days. And I go, cool. But we don't know anything about these live events, these untelevised live events. And then fourth win in five days. So does that mean that when were these live events? Saturday, Sunday, I knew. Does that mean we had one on Monday too? Where did she win on Rampage last week? I'm so confused on what these four. Hold on. I'm going to go to her. Tony Storm. You, I'm going to look this up. What did you think of the match? I thought the match was like better than a lot of the other women's matches they've had yes. for like the past couple of weeks. I thought this was the best one. Okay, so if we look at Tony Storm here. Holy crap. Tony Storm really not worked a match in almost a month before this week? So, on... Last okay, so they're already bullshitting us. Last Wednesday, Tony Storm beat Allison K. Well, no, that was Rampage. So that technically counts for Friday. So Friday, she beat Allison K. Then also there was a live event on Friday that she beat Billy Starks. So technically two wins in the same day there. Then on yeah, so it's not Four wins in five days. It's actually, hold on. One, two, three, four, five. It's actually four wins in six days if you want to be more correct because the wins actually came last Wednesday at the taped rampage that aired on Friday. So you could say she had two wins on Friday, one win on Saturday, and then not another one till tonight, which makes four. Well, it's not four in the last five days. Very confusing why they would say that. I thought Allison K could have made a decent fit. Oh, on the roster? The outcast. Oh, on the, the outcast. outcast. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, she's home. Well, she's not homegrown, though. True. That's why I say maybe. I just, I don't know. I think, mm, I'd give her a shot. As far as the roster goes, uh, if used right, though. So, as we move forward, more Renee. Wait. Did I merge two segments together? I might have, actually. Okay. So, we actually had... Two Renee Orange Cassidy segments. I didn't even realize that. I must have missed the first one and just talked about the first one as the second one. Well, the first one... Okay, yeah, I must have just lumped these all together in my notes. Yeah, the second one is when they announced the 
the battle royal. Then they sent it to Tony Khan. Tony Khan. And I like I like this stuff where it's just Tony standing there with a mic making a slide announcement, making an announcement. He's fine. He's not trying to overdo it for a crowd or anything. It's pre-taped. They can do it as many times as they need. These are effective. Tony Khan talked about the TNT Warner Brothers Discovery upfronts this morning, saying that they have officially announced AEW Collision for Saturday, June 17th. He then announced all the other dates, which we've already talked about, and stated that the premiere episode on June 17th will be announced as far as the location next week. Next week on Dynamite. Then, go for it. So I think they'll probably have it in Chicago. They just don't know which building yet. Possibly. Possibly. I feel like if they got punk, they go the big building, United Center. If they don't got punk, maybe they still do Chicago, but a smaller building. Like the now arena. Then we had the best thing I will. I don't know if I like this or the main event angle better. But this Falls Count Anywhere match with Roderick Strong and Chris Jericho was really good. And I thought the way they had Adam Cole here in the end was genius booking. Like, so smart for this guy is banned from being in the building while the match is taking place. So. I like like the ending, but I just feel like during the match, they were just trying way too much. Well, a little bit. I thought there were some spots that were kind of meh. But overall, it was I thought, good. I thought it was starting to become a security issue, if you think about <laughs> it, because like, you had like four security guards with like trying to hold back like 50 people. True. That was almost going to be a security issue right there. But I did like the whole, they go outside and boom, there's Adam Cole waiting. Like him and Strong had to have had a plan, but we'll get to it. The Strong attacks with some chops and some charging forearms for Jericho could even get his jacket off, nearly mowing down referee Aubrey Edwards in the process. He didn't give a damn. Jericho started up a chop battle, which wasn't smart as Strong uh, hit a takedown slam. More chops by both men as Strong was sent to the apron as Strong avoided a spin, uh, springing Jericho into a slam on the apron. Back in the ring, Strong nearly got an edge uh, end of heartache, but Jericho countered into a walls of Jericho. Strong got a rope break as both men fought into the crowd during the commercial break. Strong was able to slam Jericho ribs first on the railing, even getting a two-count on the steps in the crowd. Excalibur then delivered the very unfortunate news, of, and we should have mentioned this earlier, but he did bring up that superstar Billy Graham had passed away. Now, Ric Flair is the one that I saw break that on social media. We knew Billy Graham was not in good health. His wife said he was on life support and that the doctors wanted to take him off because there was nothing else they could do. But the news did come out during Rampage that superstar Billy Graham had passed away. And Shivani also sent their condolences. Also, if you guys don't know much about Billy Graham or want to go back and see more Billy Graham stuff on Peacock, there is a Billy Graham WWE DVD documentary called 20 Years Too Soon, the, uh, the Superstar Billy Graham Story. I watched it a couple years ago. It's pretty good. So if you don't know much about Billy Graham or just want a Billy Graham refresher, that's a good one to go watch. It's on Peacock. I double-checked. 
So Strong and Jericho continue their brawl into the crowd as Jericho slams Strong through a table and both men fought into a stairwell, fighting under the ledge with Jericho charging and, and tackling Strong down. You could tell that they were kind of worried about being on this ledge because the way Jericho tackled Strong was in a way where it's like, I'm going to do this very nice and slow and soft so we don't fall off. It's like that ledge next to like the stairs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought I thought somebody was gonna like fall off and like hurt something. I thought Roddy was gonna like have a spot where he fell off of it because I, I I wouldn't see Jericho doing it, but I could see Strong wanting to like, oh yeah, let's do a cool spot where I fall off and stumble down the stairs. Yeah, that'd be too dangerous. I mean, Brock Lesnar threw Zach Gowan down a flight of stairs in a wheelchair back in two thousand three. <laughs> that was very dangerous. Because Gowan just Gowan just said, "Send me. I can't protect myself." Think about it, because he's I, in the wheelchair. I, I saw just, that. Meow, he's in the wheelchair. Just mo. I remember watching that live, being scared as shit. I mean, I didn't really watch much of WWE in the two thousands, but I do remember seeing that, and I yeah. was like, "Holy cow!" Yeah. No, Brock. That was prime. Brock don't give a crap anymore as well. So Brock literally had the wheelchair, and he's like, you're going to go for a ride. You're going to go for a ride. And he just, woof, threw him down the stairs in the wheelchair, and Gowan just went hurling. Yeah, no. Anyways, so. um, Both spilled back into a sea of the crowd. I think this is where you were like, the security's trying to hold back all these people. Uh, Jericho. Yeah, there's like four security guards, and there's like right? 50 people behind them. They're like, they're like, all right, everybody's got to stay back. Yeah, they could literally just all just charge security. No Very problem. true. Jericho had a chair, but Strong threw plastic cutlery and ice cream in Jericho's face. Giovanni then reacted to Mister Softy, and that was pretty funny the way he yelled it. Uh, Jericho dug into the trash can to clean his face, which was. Questionable. You're going to go get in some dirty stuff to clean your face. I guess he was just looking for a napkin. Strong then was bleeding from the shoulder. Not sure where that spot, where that came from. As they started to, to trend towards the outside of the building. Eventually, they're outside the building, and boom, there's Adam Cole. Jericho turns around and, ah, gets beaten the hell by Jericho or by Adam Cole. And I loved this. I love this because they're like, wait, this is like, so smart by Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Cole can't be in the building while the match takes place, but nothing says he can't get involved outside the building. Cole lowers the boom on Jericho while he's in a pile of dirt. Strong then follows this up with a jumping knee and pins him to pick up the victory. I thought this was great as far as the whole, hey, you're banned from being inside, but you can fight if we get outside. So we got a plan to get the match outside so you can get your hands on Jericho. I liked it a lot. I liked, especially, like, I I thought the match as a whole was good, not great. But I really liked the creativeness of the way the match ended. Plus, how often do we get to see stuff outside the building when we have matches like this? Like, we get an AEW, Falls Count Anywhere, and Street Fights quite often. But never outside, so that was a plus. Especially being in Texas, where it's still light outside. Yeah. I, I did like the ending, but during the match, I was kind of worried that, like, hey, someone 
one was probably gonna get injured. And two. For the match, they were, they were trying to do a little too much, and I was like, eh, now they're just trying too hard. Yeah, I can see that. So then we had Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Roosh. The match itself was good. I got annoyed with Tony Schiavone every, like, two minutes. Oh, that Jose, he's a bad guy. Oh, that Jose, he's a dastardly guy. Oh, that Jose's not a good guy. Like, Okay, we get it. Tony doesn't like Jose. So early on, Roosh wasted no time attacking Perry at the bell on the outside. Jose then pulled the cable cord out from under the ring. Well, actually, this was before the bell, I, th- I believe. He uh, pulled the cable cord out from under the ring as Roosh continuously slammed Perry's head against the barricade. This attack led to Bear- uh, Perry being busted open. Yes, Jungle Boy bled as Perry never even got out of the gates before they went into a picture-in-picture break. Perry tried to fight back with his comeback lariat, but Roosh had it scouted. Perry tried to fire off some chops as Roosh literally just grabbed the chop of Perry and as Caliber said, that was a cup check. Um, kept on going. Referee didn't really do anything about Jose. Keep on getting involved. Perry and Rush then fought up on the second rope and continued their chop battle until Perry threw headbutts and Hurricane Rana. Jose then grabbed the leg of Perry again right in front of the referee, and the ref did nothing as Perry ducked a charging Roosh and sank in the snare trap. Now, funny, he's got the snare trap in, and at one point, um, Taz mentioned that he's got a sink in that S grip, but with Taz's like New York accent, it didn't sound like he said S grip. He sounded like he said ass grip. Just me. I don't know if you heard the same thing, but it's like, oh, I can't do a good Taz impression, but he's like, he's got that, uh, got a sink in that ass grip. But yeah, I, I know he's trying to say S grip, but his S sounded like ass. Anyways. Uh, Roosh managed to make it to the ropes to break the hold as both men went to the apron where Roosh wiped Perry's face of the blood and then licked it. Yeah, cool. Perry then charged, but Roosh hit an overhead belly-to-belly on the floor where Perry came within inches of landing on his head. This looked scary. Perry then tried to fight back in the ring but was stretched with another forearm. Roosh then shoved the referee away in the corner and Perry got a schoolboy flash pin to pick up the victory. Literally, like, the ref's not going to do anything about being pushed. And then Jungle Boy rolls him up. Jungle Boy, handful of tights. The ref looking right at him. One, two, three. Before we get to the post-match, what do you think of the match itself? I think it really did too much for Jungle Boy since no. he, like, had to roll the tights to, like, yeah. get the win. It didn't look like a strong victory for Jungle Boy. It looked like Jungle Boy was getting his ass beat and just needed to figure out a way to get out of the match. So then, like Jungle Boy was getting destroyed during the beginning of the match. For like half of this match, if not more. I felt like Roosh looked like the... Honestly, if I didn't know Jungle Boy was in the title match and I knew one of these guys were, I would have thought it was Roosh. Roosh looked stronger than Jungle Boy. Then after the match, Preston Vance would run out. Jose would jump in the ring, and they all started attacking Jungle Boy until Darby Allen would make his way out to the ring, but he found himself clocked by a cable cord by Jose. Sammy then came out to make the save, taking out Roosh on the ramp as Allen took out Jose with a scorpion death drop. Preston Vance was wiped out by Guevara and Allen as all three challengers for the title stared at each other in the ring. Boy, was this... Dumb and hokey and bad. And now it's just more solidifying the, hey, 
as long as MJF doesn't walk out the champion, we're all cool. Like, we're going to work together to make sure he doesn't win. Yeah, well, that's going to blow up in your face. You might as well just do an elimination match and just be yes. like, hey, let's just all team up on yes. MJF and then get rid of him. Now it's free for all. Yes, but I don't see MJF losing. And then that, I like where you're coming from there. Get rid of MJF and then there's going to be a new champion. They're going to fight for it. I just don't think MJF loses. Shouldn't lose. Mm-mm. If you're being completely honest, it's, I think it's too early to take the belt off MJF. If I, you're going to take the belt off him, I feel like you have to put on someone like a Kenny Omega. Well, it, you basically just said my point. I honestly, I agree with the it's too early. And also don't think either, any of these three guys are strong enough to, wor- to hold that belt. So, you know, some okay. people saying like Darby though, because it would look cool on Darby, but like I, I don't think okay, I don't think Darby's ready yet. Here's the thing. Here's a question. Here's a hypothetical. Say they go into the match and MJF is injured. MJF gets cleared to work the match, but has to lose because he's got to take time off. Who would you put the title on of the other three? If that's a scenario where MJF can't retain the belt because of, like injury or something. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, probably Jungle Boy, because, you know, they keep saying, yeah. like, Jungle Boy, like, he has to win a title, so you can just put it on him. That's the that's the one I would do, too. Sammy, he just, he's for too long been the lackey of Chris Jericho. And Darby, Darby just seems like the random, hey, we need somebody for a good match, throw him in there, but yes. He's been TNT champion a number of times and did great at that. I just don't see him as the guy. At least not yet. I mean, I mean, I think he'll definitely be the guy someday. Like, just not yet, though. Yeah. Speaking of MJF, Renee Paquette approached him backstage after seeing what had just happened. She asked him how he feels ahead of the title match at Double or Nothing. MJF slapped the microphone right out of her hand. She got like a, hmm kind of scared look on her face almost like what that what was that for and there we go he walked away cool that was all we saw of mjf all night kind of yeah like they're they're trying to make it seem like oh he's worried it might be screwed here he's worried that they're gonna all team up on him yeah so he doesn't even want to talk about it uh, we got footage of Jamie Hayter being injured last month by Tony Storm, who was standing by with Renee Paquette backstage. Storm said that she's setting records. Four wins in five days. Well, actually, no. Technically, if you want to be even more correct, it's four wins in a week because her first win came one week ago. But regardless, TV, weekend, whatever. She then says that last time she faced Jamie Hayter, was a different person. Now, she's an entirely different animal, and she wants to challenge Jamie to a match for the AW Women's Championship at Double or Nothing. And we learned that that match did officially get announced. I mean, I give Jamie an opponent, so... Mm-hmm. They're gonna hold off this, like, women's, like, blood and guts thing to, like, blood and guts. Well, yeah, they'll probably do it sometime in, like, June. Maybe July. I can see them... Ooh. This would, I think Blood and Guts would be a good dynamite episode to do like between Forbidden Door and All In sometime in the month of June or July. I feel like that would be too long though because how long have they been like building this up? 
Oh, no, it would. But I just don't see them doing it before Forbidden Door because they have to focus too much on building Forbidden Door. They have, they have less weeks between Double or Nothing and Forbidden Door than they do between Forbidden Door and All Out or All In. But yeah, no, it, it's... They've stretched this too long already. So then we had our main event match. It was Switchblade Jay White against Ricky Starks. Match ended in a disqualification. Don't see many of those in AEW. But Jay White did technically pick up the win. White suckered Starks into a chase early on, driving him into the edge of the ring. But Starks fought back by sending White into the barricade. Back inside the ring, White caught Starks with a hot shot and some violent chops to follow. To the, uh, we go to the floor again where Starks was able to battle back while White drove Starks face first onto the apron. There's some dueling chants from the crowd as White controlled him during the break with Starks turning the tide when they returned. Starks then fired back out of the corner with a lariat, a Manhattan drop, a charging knee, and a back elbow. White charged right into a belly-to-belly -belly suplex and a tornado DDT for a two. It took Starks way too long to follow up as White leapt with a, uh, with a shoulder to the midsection and a snap DDT. White draped Starks over the top rope and followed with a huge Uranagi for a near fall. White then signaled for a Blade Runner, but Starks elbowed free until White suplexed Starks over the top rope. Back inside the ring, Starks almost got a flash roll-up with a two as he followed this up with a snap, uh, snap neck breaker. Starks then hit a midsection slam, or misdirect slam, I mean, read that wrong, and nearly got a three here as White floated over a Rochambeau. There's another misdirection as uh, Robinson tripped up Starks long enough for White to try to hit the Blade Runner, but Starks got a roll-up for a two. White then gouged the eyes of Starks right in front of the referee. Referee gave him a warning, which I liked, that don't do it again, but as he was dealing with that, the referee, Juice would run in and try to hit Ricky with a chair. Ricky would get the chair from him and sent Robinson to the floor. He then popped White in the midsection and the back right in front of the ref, blatantly getting himself disqualified, Ricky didn't care. Ricky just hit him and hit him and hit him. So there we go. Um, before, I don't know if I'm really a big fan of Foot Club Gold, though. No, because now it's just becoming NWO Wolfpack, NWO Japan. Because, I mean, we already have Bullet Club in, in Impact, too, with Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Why do we need all these subsidiary we've got bullet club in new japan then we've got like i think they might still be the house of torture is kind of bullet club and then we've got like bullet club in, in new japan strong then we got bullet club guys in impact now we got bullet club gold in aw it's it's so convoluted and then you've got bullet you got bullet club gold in aew with a guy in in Jay White who's not even allowed to go to New Japan or work New Japan wrestler, so it's like, what are we even doing here? And I don't know if anybody really keeps up with New Japan a lot, but Finley said like multiple times, like in New Japan, it's like Jay White's no longer in Bullet Club yeah. and White books. Yeah, that makes no sense either. Like they literally, he literally said. You're not allowed in New or in Bullet Club. Like, you, so what? He had to start his own version version of Bullet Club. No, no. So then we got the main event angle. This was actually really good. I liked that Tony Schiavone and Excalibur kind of worked something out here early on. 
because you know Excalibur goes, now Tony Schiavone has the unfortunate duty of speaking to Don Callis in the ring. And then they send it to Tony, and Tony goes, so I unfortunately have to now speak with Don Callis. So I like to like, they talked it out like, hey, I'm going to say that you don't want to do this, but you're going to have to, they're making you do it. So you play off of that. You're not going to hear me, but I like that. I like that they did that. Anyways, they had security lining the ramp because just in case, you know, maybe Kenny wanted to come out, but Don made his way down. And on the screen, they were showing footage of Don attacking Kenny from last week. Crowd booed him like he was freaking Dominic Mysterio. Don Callis was just getting booed out the building. Giovanni asked, why? Why did you do what you did? Why? Callis said. Instead of why, he did. You should ask what he did to Omega. He wants to talk about what Omega did to him. Callis says, I'm the victim in this scenario. And he ran down everything that he has ever done for Omega. He said, without Don Callis, there is no Kenny Omega. As that line, well, brought out Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega would then start taking out members of security until finally the Blackpool Combat Club would run down and attack him with Moxley hitting him with a paradigm shift on the stage. The BCC then jumped in the ring and said that this was the elite's final warning to stay down. Omega struggled to get to his feet, and the music of the Young Bucks played, and out would come the... The injured, but not quite done yet, Matt and Nick Jackson. They then said, hey, this is cool, but you still got the numbers on the other side. It's four on three, four on three. And all of a sudden, Hangman's music would play. Hangman would come out to a huge ovation from the crowd wearing a leather eye patch. Omega then handed him a broom and barbed wire. They all did their little battle cry, and ran towards the ring. Brawl was on as the Elite took turns beating up Wheeler Yuta in the ring as the Bucks hit a BTE trigger and Paige hit the Buckshot Lariat. Paige then stood next to the Bucks and Omega and said that they are the heart. Oh, hold on, hold on. I didn't write this down in my notes, but I have the tweet. They said, or Paige said, we are the heart. We are the soul. We are the spirit of this place. We are the Elite. He then said, at double or nothing, it will be the Elite versus the Backpool Combat Club in Anarchy in the Arena. We then got this. I'm going to pull this up on the screen. We got this face from a scared-looking John Moxley as that was announced. I also like... Claudio holding Wheeler Yuta in the back like his little baby boy. He's like, oh, come see daddy. I'll take care of you. But yeah, I thought this was a great segment. I thought this was fantastic. This is the match we all expected to get announced in. Bing, bang, boom. There we go. Very effective. What did you think? Oh, yeah, I absolutely love this segment. I really did. I thought everyone did really well. Hangman with that intensity was Give him all the stars in the world for that. His intensity was fantastic. Now the question is, like, Don Cal's now in Blackpool Combat Club, or is he just going to, like, find someone else to, like, try to feud with Omega? I don't know. Maybe he's their new Regal because they don't got William Regal anymore. Just the, their well, manager. They, really need Don Cal's, they don't. They don't. 
thought so, what would have been cooler is like, oh, let's say, say they weighed this out and they had like Kenny feud with MJF and they had Don Callis cost Kenny Omega the match and he, Don Callis is now with MJF. Oh, I've wanted to see that for a while. I want to see that for a while. Don with MJF, heck yeah. Would be so perfect. I would love to really see. Would. I would love to see Don as the Paul Heyman for MJF, like the way Paul, like we know Roman can speak, but sometimes he's just like, "Take it, Paul." I would love for MJF to be like, "I don't want to talk tonight. Go, Don." And like Don's the one that's like making the moves and setting things up for him behind. The, I would, I would love that. I've said it before that Don Callis and MJF. Would be so good together as a heel, as like a heel unit. But we talked a lot about dine, uh, double or nothing, and five matches have so far been announced for double or nothing. So far, we do know. Why do I not have those up on the screen? Or as double or nothing does go, we do know that the AEW World Championship will be on the line when MJF defends against Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. And Jungle Boy, the TNT Championship will be on the line in the ladder match when Wardlow defends against Christian Cage. The AEW World Tag Team Championships will be on the line when FTR defends against the team of Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with Mark Briscoe as a special guest referee. The AEW Women's World Championship will be on the line when Jamie Hayter defends against Tony Storm. And finally, excuse me, in a Black Jack Battle Royal, Orange Cassidy will be defending the, the AEW International Championship. There's going to be 21 men in this Battle Royal. Don't know who they all are going to be yet. But before we get to Double or Nothing, we got to get to Rampage this week as a number of things have been announced for Rampage. First off, it's Bischoff Khan taking on Dustin Rhodes. We also do know that the acclaimed and daddy ass will be taking on the varsity athletes. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club. I think it is Wheeler Yuta. They didn't say who, but it's... So all four members are on this graphic. But prominent on the graphic more is Wheeler, Claudio, and Mox. So those three against Bandito. And now they're being called the said best friends, best amigos. And if you didn't listen to Conan um, be interviewed by Dave Meltzer last week, Conan literally was like, what the hell are they doing with Bandito, putting them with best friends? What does that even make any sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. And also, we do know that two more things. We will hear from the Hardy Boys, and Jade Cargill will have an open challenge for the a for the TBS Championship. As this show will be Friday at six thirty Eastern, three thirty Pacific. And one match has been announced for next week's AEW Rampage or Dynamite. I mean, as the ROH World Tag Team Championships will be on the line when the Lucha Brothers defending against Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. That's everything that took place tonight. Jeez, we went an hour and a half. Any, I mean, we did talk a lot about Collision. And Punk, yeah. So any any final thoughts on, on Dynamite before we wrap things up? Uh, I don't believe so, no. All right, so you know what we thought? Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of the show. Let's pull up the polls. Let's refresh all of those. Um... WWE just eight minutes ago now acknowledged the superstar Billy Graham passing. You would have thought they would have hit that earlier, but as far as the Twitter poll does go, 65% liked the show, 31% thought it was just all right, and 2% did not like it. 
far as the Twitch poll does go, 50% liked the show, 25% thought it was just all right, and 25% did not like it. Looking at the YouTube community poll, 68% liked the show, 20% thought it was just all right, and 12% didn't like it. Uh, some of the comments here says, it was awesome to see Adam Page back with the Elite. Yep. It says, pretty darn good show. 8 out of 10. Another one says, I can't wait for the Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club, a double or nothing. Um, this one says, decent show, good matches, but the build for double or nothing was kind of weak this week. And this person says, I loved it. The crowd was on fire. Yeah, didn't mention, but the crowd in Austin tonight was really good. And finally, the YouTube live poll, 71% liked the show, 21% thought it was just all right, and 8% did not like it. With that, guys, thanks for joining us here. Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter at Petkey underscore 21, and you can also find me over at Twitch at the Luke Petkey. With that, guys, you can find me at Timmy Buddy basically anywhere, and you can follow us. PW Unlimited on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all the good things with that, guys. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll be back live Friday morning for the wrestling wrap-up and then Friday evening for the go-home show, Friday Night SmackDown, or night. No, Night of Champions is not this weekend, next weekend. My bad. Not the, not the Night of Champions go-home. Night of Champions go-home is next week. I got my weeks mixed up. Next week is Night of Champions, but I'll still talk about SmackDown this Friday night. So we'll get you... Two, pay, two podcasts on Friday. We'll see you then. Have a good one, everybody. See you next time.